Revelation chapter 13, verse 18. If you would, stand with me as we read God's Word together. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast. For it is man's number. His number is 666. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb, standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this passage. I pray you would grant us understanding and wisdom today. Through your Spirit, in the name of Christ, reveal to us what you want us to know from this passage. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So today's message is entitled, The Mark of the Beast. The Mark of the Beast. And let me begin with a disclaimer. Even in a lengthy sermon series on Revelation, which I've done here before, it is not possible to deal with all the details and theories concerning Revelation and apocalyptic literature in the Bible. Just can't be done. And I certainly could not hope to do so in a single sermon. So after the service, please try to go easy on me in the lobby. And do not say, you didn't mention this, or what about that, or I don't agree with you about this or that, or, if you, you, or you forgot to deal with such and such, because there's just no time. Today, I want to keep our focus on one thing, and that is the mark of the beast, which is why I entitled the sermon, The Mark of the Beast. And what that means for you and me, and why it matters to us, um, uh, and so I'm going to try to stay just centered on that. Second, if you feel you have Revelation all worked out, I am glad for you. Write a book. I encourage you to do that. But please know that it is not my position or responsibility to espouse your views or theories from the pulpit. It's one of the reasons I don't spend a lot of time in Re Revelation. It's one of those areas in which Southern Baptists disagree the most. And some of you are not from Southern Baptist background. You're all kinds of denominations. And I want you to know what God's Word says, but I also don't want to get caught up in a lot of debates and arguments. So uh, it, it's not my job to... To be as, Now, I'll, I'll try to be honest with you, but I can't be comprehensive because, again, we just won't get anywhere. I can tell you this. We are fascinated with numbers in our world, often wonderful numbers that encompass our lives, our birth dates, our wedding date, our graduation date, anniversary date, promotion dates. We're also very cognizant of terrible numbers, like the death or the passing of a loved one, or 9-11, that number brings very vivid memories to many of you, or April the 15th, <laughs> may conjure up memories. We have other meaningful numbers too. Our social security number, which most of you probably know. My goal as a parent before all three of my children are gone is that they, if they don't know anything else in life, they know their social security number. Or, Speaking of numbers, our weight, our age, our blood pressure, our cholesterol count, our vision, our IQ. We have numbers for everything. Well, the Bible has important numbers too. And as important as numbers are in our life, I think it was even more important in the first century, especially when we look at apocalyptic literature. 
We see them scattered throughout Scripture, that is, numbers, from the six days of creation in Genesis to the dimensions of the new Jerusalem that we see in Revelation chapter 21. So today we're in Revelation chapter 13. And we see three bad characters in chapter 13. We see the dragon, we see the beast, and actually we see two beasts in Revelation chapter 13. <clears throat> I call them the main beast and the assistant beast, which sounds like a crummy job. You know, who are you? I'm, I'm the assistant beast. <laughs> it's like being vice president. You know, I've seen Camilla Harris since the election day. I've seen her twice on the news. Uh, in the last three years. You don't see the vice president a whole lot. And we'll see the uh, assistant beast more than that. And I, I can assure you, he won't like being called the assistant beast at all. And by the way, it is a he, uh, the beast, uh, the dragon, that is Satan, and the assistant beast are all men. Sorry, ladies. I know you want equality, but you don't get the beast position. Um, those are regulated to men. And I'll tell you why. This is my theory. This is not the Bible. Of course, I'm right. <laughs> You're going to see with the beast, the assistant beast, and with the dragon, a huge amount of ego involved, as it is with evil men often. So, of course, again, as I said, the dragon is a reference to Satan, and then the two beasts do his bidding in the last days. They work together as kind of a... Uh, an unholy trinity, which I think I read somewhere. We know that the beast has a number, and it is a famous number. What is the number? Yeah, 666. In fact, it may be the most universally known number in existence today, 666. I suspect that most Muslims and Hindus even know that 666 isn't a bad number for some reason. And so we have that number. By the way, did you notice where it says this requires wisdom? And then it talks about calculating the number and then tells you the number. Well, if you have the number, why do I need to calculate the number? Well, I'll talk about that in just a minute. I can tell you this about the beast. The beast, according to Revelation, claims to be deity. Not just a swell guy, not just an egotistical guy or an egomaniac. He claims to be deity at the level of God. He is going to be a dictator. He is the Antichrist. He is a human individual. And he is staunchly anti-Christian. Fact goes to war with Christians. What tries to wipe us all out. And so we see these characteristics of the beast. 666 is the symbolic number that he has. And of course just in the most simplistic terms, and I know you probably already know this, but I've got to say it. As you know, the number seven in the Bible is the perfect number, the number of completeness, and therefore six is the number of imperfection, the number of incompleteness. And so if you have 666, that really is driving at home. It is the ultimate incompleteness, the ultimate anti-Christ number, falling short of the perfection of God. The beast also has a mark, but the mark is not on the beast, it's on everybody else. Everybody in the world is going to have the mark of the beast, unless you're a believer. It's placed on the people of, of the earth. Of course, the mark of the beast is a reference to the beast. It connects you with the beast. The mark is a reference to what is placed on those who follow the, belief, uh, the beast. And so if you have the mark of the beast, that means you're a believer in the beast, a follower of the beast. 
Before we go any deeper, I need to mention a word about symbolism. It really is impossible, even in a brief reference to a single verse in Revelation, uh, uh, you have to talk about symbolism or mention it. To understand the mark of the beast, you need to know that the symbolic nature of apocalyptic literature, such as what we find in Revelation, if you don't consider that, then the descriptions in Revelation, in fact, nearly in the entire book, will look and sound like gibberish. If your kids read Revelation, they're not going to get any of it. Maybe you feel that way when you read it. But at least you have some assurance of understanding. You know that many of the things in Revelation are strictly symbolic. Symbolism plays a major role, which means many descriptions actually symbolize something else. Sometimes it tells us what the symbol is. It'll go ahead and explain it, and sometimes it doesn't. So many of these symbols are actually very easy to see what they mean. The great dragon, uh, which is also called the ancient service, a serpent, is a reference to Satan, to, de to the devil. The lake of fire is eternal judgment. The great white throne is God's judgment seat. And so these are pretty self-evident. But here's part of the challenge. Not everything in Revelation means something else. For example, when Revelation speaks about angels, it means angels. When Revelation speaks about uh, heaven, it means heaven. When it speaks about wrath, it means wrath. And so some of the descriptions in Revelation are literal, and determining what is literal and what is symbolic is a part of the great challenge of interpreting apocalyptic literature. So now, with that understanding and that disclaimer, let's go back and look at our passage for today. <clears throat> We're just going to be in chapter 13, with one exception at the end. Chapter 13, verse 18 says this. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate, there's that word, calculate the number of the beast, for it's man's number. His number is 666. So his number isn't 666. That number 666 means something, and it's for us to calculate what that means. Verse, uh, and I'll also put in chapter 14, verse 1, the very next verse. Then I looked, John says, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion with him 144,000. Again, not a literal number. Uh, 144,000 is derived from 12, which are the 12 tribes of Israel. The, word, uh, the number 12 is a very important number in Revelation and apocalyptic literature in the Bible. And so this is, if you, if you multiply 12 uh, enough, you'll get 144,000. And it simply means the complete number of God's people. It says the 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Now, from that brief passage, I want you to notice four things today. Four things. Number one, the number of the beast is the number of a man. Not a political party. It's a man. It's not a theory or a hypothetical. It's a man. Or in the NIV, instead of saying a man's number, it just says man's number. Did you notice that? It's not a typo <clears throat> in the very first verse. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. That intrigued me. And by the way, it's the only translation that I found that actually says it this way. Every other translation that I found says it's a man's number, reference to one man, not mankind, plural, but a man. So you might wonder, why is that a not there? Well, 
That's because in Greek, they didn't use the letter A or the word A. Uh, they used the word the for everything. And if you did not include the the, you put in A, but not all the time. Now that sounds crazy, but if you ever study English very not much, there's a lot of crazy things that go on in our grammar as well in the rules of the English language. And so that's just one of the things in Greek. The A isn't actually there. It's implied. Most of the translations, King James, uh, ASV, or the ESV, the New American Standard, they all put the letter or the word, word A in there, but NIV doesn't. But I don't think, and by the way, I'm intrigued about the idea that it is mankind, because we live in a society, and I know I've shared this with you probably recently, but we live in a society where we have, are growing increasingly to deify ourselves. More and more and more. God, in his power, true power, spoke the universe into existence. There was nothing. He said, let there be light. There was light, and so on and so forth. God, in his deity, ripped the universe into being out of nothing by sheer voice. Can't explain that. Don't comprehend it, but he did it. And we're, we're proof that he did it. We, in our culture, have decided that, without judging people, but we have decided that if I won't, no longer want to be a single person, I want to be referred to as they, them, instead of he or she, then all I have to do is make that pronouncement, I am now a they, them. You're not a they, them. How, how can you rip yourself into being plural? You, you can't. And for validity, we require everybody else to now call me they, them, because that would be rude not to. And we think that that is somehow validation that I have the power to turn little old me into a them. Or... I can turn me into a she just by saying, I think I'm a she. Now, it is true. I can't change my chromosomes. Of course, we don't actually have power. We just make the pronouncements and then we pretend. We have surgery to mutilate ourselves, to make it look like another gender. We take on hormone pills to simulate another gender. But of course, it doesn't change the fact that we are still a man or a woman until we die. Not judging anybody, I'm just saying that is what it is. My parents were very pragmatic people. They grew up in a very practical time. None of this would fly, of course, back then, because it's, it isn't real. And, and I'm not, that's not offensive to say it's not real. If, if I thought there was any chance that it would be real, I would say, hey, look at this verse, maybe it's real. But there's no verse for it because we don't have the power of God. I cannot pronounce myself as more than one person or as a different gender. I can pronounce that I'm a unicorn, but it doesn't make me a unicorn. Oh, I wish it did. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'd be the only one. Oh, if I could do that. So I talk about the deification of humanity. I think that we have grown so self-focused as a society that we are deifying ourselves that with sheer words we can pronounce something fact and it becomes fact and you better agree with the fact or you're going to be ostracized i saw this week 
in, 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 just a couple of days ago on Fox News, there was a farmer that lost two-thirds of all of his business as a farmer because he posted something on social media about his disagreement about Pride Month. And he lost two-thirds of his business over that. And so this is the kind of world that we live in. Having said that, it makes sense for it to be man's number because that's where we are, but I don't think it means that. And I don't think NIV intends that. I know that because of the next sentence. In fact, the whole context of Revelation, the next sentence says his, not them, but his number is 666. And elsewhere, it refers to him as a single individual. And back to that in just a minute. But the number of the beast is the number of a man. Number two, everyone gets a mark. Everybody gets a mark. You get a mark. I get a mark. Everybody gets a mark. On your forehead, youth, right here, not acne. You get a mark, a mark, mark, or on the back of the hand. Now, whether that's symbolic, yeah, they, they, they would, there were references, and I've mentioned to you before, of them doing this in the first century. They would mark certain people for certain reasons, slaves, et cetera, et cetera. And that way, everybody identified you very quickly. And so whatever it is, it's going to be very clear that we are identified one way or another. And I say everybody, every man, woman, and child on the planet will get a mark. Everybody gets a mark. But it may not be the mark of the beast. I hope it is not. If it's not the mark of the beast, we already read that it will be the mark of Christ. So you will have the mark of Christ or the mark of the beast. For myself, I've never been big on tattoos. My parents threatened me enough to keep me from considering that, although I realize I'm about the only one in here that doesn't have a tattoo. Except my kids, they better not have one. But if I were going to get a tattoo, I think I would just have Jesus put on my hand and be done with it. <laughs> if I'm going to have a mark, well, then I just put Christ right there. <laughs> there, Satan already knows. I can already show my mark. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 5, if you go back to verse 5, it says this, The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words, sorry men, and blasphemies, to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints, and listen to this part, and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names listen to this part, have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. So by the way, you'll notice immediately this is a global thing. And that's important. It's global. I know it's global because it says he was given power to make war against the saints and he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation, and then it says all inhabitants of the earth, except Christians, those who belong to Christ, all people, all people in the earth will bear his mark. Um, and so it will be global. That's a big distinction from so many who have been accused of being the beast in the past. And by the way, we, we are replete with that. 
Being, uh, calling somebody a beast is basically is somebody we don't like. <laughs> so we say they're the beast. The Roman emperors or Napoleon, Mussolini, Stalin, Adolf Hitler, all of those men, for example, were considered to be the beast by millions of people because they were so evil. But all these men were rulers of a small amount of the world's nation. Take somebody like Adolf Hitler, as vile and evil as he was, he for a period of time ruled over most of Western Europe, but statistically that's only a tiny amount of the hundreds of countries and nations that we have in our world. He didn't even come close. Whereas the beast will rule over every nation, including this one. Now that's boggling to think. The world will be unified under this individual in a bad way. So it will be a global, a global thing. Number three, the number of the beast is 666, which is symbolic, meaning the ultimate incompletion or the ultimate antichrist. But the mark is not necessarily the number. I don't know if you notice this, and I'll read it to you in a moment. It can also be an identifier of his name. It can be his name or his number. Um, it, this is what Revelation says. Now, I don't know how you get to pick. Do you want his name or his number? If it's a tattoo, I'd pick the shorter one. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I find it interesting. It says it's his name or his number, the reference. But whatever you choose, it is a reference and a connection to him. Um, Revelation chapter 13, verse 16, if you look there with me, says this. He also forced everyone, small and great, that's the dictator, rich and poor, slave and free, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead. We get to pick that too. So that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of the, his name. So it's his name or his number of his name. So all of these paintings and pictures of people with three sixes on their forehead or hand at best is too literal and may likely be just plain wrong. I would think, surely, surely, we're not going to hand out our hand and say, yeah, put three sixes on there. I think it'll be more subtle and deceptive than that. Number four, whatever the mark of the beast is, you need it to buy or sell anything. Did you catch that in the passage that I just read? says in verse 17, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. So if you're a believer in Christ, how do you buy food? How do you sell goods? How do you participate? So I told you a while ago that the beast is a global dictator but now we see a global economy because he's a global dictator. It means that we cannot buy or sell anything anywhere ever. You talk about oppression and difficulty for God's people, but that's what he's uh, saying here. 
Now, when it says that we can't buy or sell anything without the mark, I'm assuming this is not my Amazon Prime account number. <laughs> I have, and I mean that jokingly, but I'll say this. There's never been a moment in all of history where so many people bought and sold in one place like Amazon. It is truly global. You think about when I was a kid, I worked at Gibson's, that was the place, or Sears. Wow, well, they, they were rookies compared to Walmart. Walmart came in and did them all in. Well, Walmart, they missed the global boat because along came Jeff Bezos and Amazon and it is truly all over the world. They send packages everywhere. I'm, I'm not even gonna tell you how often I get packages from them, but it's a global economy. And so, um, by the way, I actually did a search this week on the internet, and did you know what the most popular, right now the most popular interpretation of the mark of the beast is? Your vaccine card. <laughs> Did you know that? From COVID, your vaccination card, is, it's a popular thing. Only, I don't know, conspiracy theorists or whatever think that that's uh, the mark of the beast. Now, I've also heard it's a QR code, but since we have a QR code for you in the bulletin, I'm going to say no to that. <laughs> a QR, you know, the ideal is we just get a QR code tattooed on our hand or our head, and they just scan you, or the, the TV cameras scan you as you walk by, and you don't have to do anything. And I do like the convenience of that. The problem is, as soon as you fall asleep, somebody just take a picture of your QR code and then they can use it. So it won't be a QR code. Now, there was this idea that, that it's, a, it's an implant of a microchip. Yeah, now that makes more sense. That would be more secure. But again, I don't want to chip it. I, I just, I don't, I don't know how they would pull that over globally. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, but the first thing that causes me pause right now, right now in 2023 and in the future, is that because of the internet, the world has become a global economy. Not will be, but already is. The good news from that is, well, I don't think that we will ever be attacked from China. I may have told you that before. The first rule of a successful business is you don't blow up your customers. And we're their best customers. The second thing that gives me pause actually is AI. Now, I know I joked about it a week or two ago, but the truth is AI is unlike anything that has ever been developed in history. Elon Musk is right to be concerned. The development of AI has grown exponentially just in the last couple of years. So much so, the reason that Elon Musk and other leaders are concerned is the speed at which it has accelerated in the recent months. Just months. Um, in the next few years or decades, it can easily spawn a consciousness that could get out of control. And through the internet it would instantly or automatically be a global phenomenon. Now, my concern isn't so much AI. My concern is if one man, one power-hungry, egotistical, Satan-empowered man is able 
to be to dictate AI, he's got us. The apocalypse could be upon us at that point, and that could be coming very soon. And I don't want to sound like a doomsday guy, but I want you to consider this when John wrote Revelation and he talked about this global economy and this global dictator, he had no comprehension of the internet. He'd never heard of AI, artificial intelligence. You don't realize just how much it invades our life. I told you last time, every one of you in here have a cell phone right now. Some of you have a cell phone. I've got a watch that's also connected to the internet. If you have a tablet, I've got a tablet. It's also, I've got three devices right now without even thinking about it, that are connected to the internet. And we are live streaming right now. It, and by live stream, I mean literally, virtually every country in the world can receive this signal right now and see what I'm, I'm saying and see what I'm, that I'm doing. Except for North Korea. They, they can't see it. But pretty much everybody else can see it. So we've got all of this technology that's just connected to everything and we're flowing all over the world right now. And you combine that with AI. So this is a recent article entitled, it's a long title, The Brief History of Artificial Intelligence. The world has changed fast. What might be next? That's the name of the article. It's written by a guy named Max Rosser in December the 6th of 2022, about seven months ago. This is a completely secular article. The author probably knows nothing about Revelation or these prophecies. But what he has to say is concerning. I'm just going to read to you a little bit of the article. He says, when you book a flight, it is often an artificial intelligence and no longer a human that decides what you pay. When you get to the airport, it's an AI system that monitors what you do at the airport. And once you're on the plane, an AI system assists the pilot in flying you to your destination. AI systems also increasingly determine whether you get a loan or, el or eligible for welfare or get hired for a particular job. Increasingly, they help determine who gets released from jail. Several governments are purchasing autonomous weapon systems for warfare, and some are using AI systems for surveillance and oppression of their own people. AI systems, artificial intelligence systems, help to program the software that you use and translate the texts that you read. Virtual assistants operated by speech recognition have entered many households over the last decade. My doorbell talks to me. Now, self-driving cars are becoming a reality. In the last few years, AI systems helped to make progress on some of the hardest problems in science. Not only am I connected three ways right now without even thinking about it, but my car. I put an Android unit in my car so that I can stream Amazon Music in my car and get Google Maps. And so I'm connected to the internet. The internet knows everywhere I go. And probably you as well. I shudder to think we will be in only a decade. Now, you, listen to me. If I took that very article that I just read to you, 
went back in time and showed it to John, what do you think he would think? I mean, it's really shocking. Never before in history have we had this global connection to everything that we buy and sell globally, that we're connected to everyone everywhere all the time. So no telling where we'll be in another decade. If the beast gets a hold of AI and the internet, then we will be right smack in the middle of Revelation. Lastly, it's important to remember the beast, and this is really important, the beast is a fraud. He's a big, fat phony. He's a charlatan, a snake oil salesman of the greatest magnitude. Uh, just like Satan, by the way, is a fraud. He's a liar. They all lie. The, the, the two beasts and Satan, it's what they do. They deceive. They pretend. Of course, they're not God. Of course, they don't have the power of God. They're pretenders. For example, they pretend that the lies of this world are truth. And they pretend that what is true in this world is a lie. And they will dupe the people of this world, not only into believing their lies, but believing that they are the righteous ones for accepting those lies. And anyone who does not embrace those lies are evil and unrighteous. Now, if that sounds like that was made up by me, it was not. It was made up by God. Through the Apostle Paul, look with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. 2,000 years ago, this is what Paul says. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of, here's the fraud, counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort, every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish, listen to this, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So what should we do? I, I, I think that's the point of the whole message. When you walk out of here, what do you do with this? Well, first of all, you don't have to have it all figured out. If you're sitting there today and you've studied these passages for years or decades, God bless you. And you already know what I'm talking about. If this is the first time you've ever heard any of this, it's okay. I don't want you to be intimidated by Revelation and you feel that you have to go home right now and just quit your job to, to find out what Revelation says. Now, I always encourage you to read it. Read all of God's word, including Revelation. And you don't have to understand it all. Just keep learning little bit by little bit. But you don't have to have it all figured out. It's going to happen whether you have it figured out or not. You don't have to know every apocalyptic theory. You don't have to get too lost in numbers and symbolism, although I think they're important. But you do need to know who's Mark you bear. That makes the difference. If you bear the wrong mark, it doesn't matter how much you know about Revelation or Bible or the Bible or about anything else in life. You need to be sure you bear the right mark because you today, right now, bear the mark of Christ or you bear the mark of the beast. Because of the sin that's in our life, Satan already has us by default. 
It is only the grace of God, the mercy of God through Christ that redeems us from that path and from that lordship of Satan. Whose mark do you bear today? And now I'll end with this. Take courage. As I've told you many times before, the theme of Revelation is hang on a little longer. We're going to win. In the first century, people were dying for their faith. They were being tortured. They were being imprisoned. John himself was, was exiled on the island of Patmos, which is a barren, desolate place, a penal colony, a prison place. Horrible, horrible place to live. But many Christians were losing their lives. And so God led John to write this to encourage everybody of the first century and the 21st century. Yeah, it's a messed up world. But hang on a little longer. We're going to win. Pray with me. Father, we thank you and praise you for Jesus Christ, that guarantor of our victory. And the truth is, we already know the victory was won on the cross 2,000 years ago. But real victory... Real power over Satan, over death, over judgment is not something in the future. It's in the past. And we already have that knowledge. We don't have to know any numbers to understand that. We don't have to encode or recode or uncode anything. Your word tells us that we simply have to confess that we are sinners and we need a savior. We need to be saved from the shackles of this world, from the mark of the beast, and receive the mark of our Savior. Right now, today, here in this place, everyone who walks out those doors in a few minutes can know what mark they bear. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I encourage you right now? Can I challenge you? Do you know what mark you bear today? You have a mark. There's not a single person in here with no mark. You bear the mark of the beast or the mark of the Savior. To whom do you belong? Some of you, I want to encourage you with this. Feel defeated. You see the news every day and it is discouraging. You see all of the rights abuses and the slander. It's horrible. And it seems to be getting worse because it's getting worse. Not here, but not just here, but globally. Don't be surprised at that. Jesus said, don't be surprised. It's going to get worse. But listen to me. We're going to win. We've already, we've already been compelled to win. We've already been promised to win when we've already won through Christ. So we can bear all things, endure anything, stand up to whatever Satan has for us, whatever the beast wants to throw at us because of Christ. Maybe you just want to thank God for giving you that strength and that promise and that hope in Him. Maybe you want to come up and say, Pastor, I want to bear the right mark. I want to give my life to Christ. You don't have to be a theologian. 
You do need to understand that you need a Savior. You need that mark, and you can't put it on yourself. You need salvation, and that you need to surrender yourself to Christ. Just come up and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to bear his mark. Maybe God is calling you or your family to join with First Baptist Church. Or you just want to come and kneel and pray. As the Spirit leads, this invitation is for you. Would you stand? All heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. And as you stand and as you pray right now, you come.